Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to another Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel, joined today from the Boston, the greater Boston area. I think this is the first time you're joining us from your new location uh, is Ben Badler, our national writer, and uh, who wrote up the big trade yesterday. That's the reason for yet another Baseball America podcast. Ben, is this your first remote podcast? I think it is. Uh, it is, yeah. I actually just had to figure out how to set up all the equipment, so hopefully this goes well. Yeah, no, it's, it's an exciting uh, exciting new turn in the Baseball America uh, uh, universe and staff. Uh, sorry to not have been in the office, I'm sure, for Ben's sake. He's happy that he could focus on things without me coming over to his cubicle and <laughs> ranting about something or other. I'm sure the rest of the staff is sorry that now they'll have to be the magnets. Now with more ranting. That's right. <laughs> more ranting for everybody else. Um, but something to rant about. Late in the afternoon yesterday, as we were finishing the Baseball America Fantasy Mag, which you can look for on newsstands uh, coming in the spring, uh, or I guess uh, later this winter, basically. Uh, but later in the afternoon, uh, Ben sent the email. Started seeing things on Twitter. I think Danny Nobler of CBSSports.com yeah, appeared though. to be first with the rumors of this deal and a big three-team trade. Um, it's been a very active week and a half for it's trades. I mean, insane. especially since the winter meetings, two giant trades involving prospects, big leaguers, and, and this one, of course, uh, the, the the key participants. Uh, being Trevor Bauer going from the Diamondbacks to the Indians, the Indians shipping out Shinsu Chu to the Reds, and the Reds shipping Didi Gregorius to Arizona. Obviously, other players involved, and we'll, we'll go over all that in this podcast. But uh, JJ and Ben, since you guys, JJ does the Reds top 30 uh, for the prospect handbook, Ben does the Indians. Uh, this, I think those are the two primary teams that we want to go over, and of course the Diamondbacks uh, figure prominently in here. But JJ, talk about this first from the Reds' standpoint. It really seems like a situation where this is a, a logical fruition to an organization when they build depth up the middle. And the Reds had last year at this time in their top 10, three shortstops, Billy Hamilton, Zach Cozart, Didi Gregorius. And now only one of them is a shortstop. It's Zach Cozart, at least in their organization. Zach Cozart's their big league shortstop. It looks like for the long term, Billy Hamilton has transitioned to center field and looks like he's going to be the center fielder for the long term. And Didi Gregorius was used as a trade chip for basically a one-year rental in Shinshu Chu. And no, what the Reds have done, and really, we we gave the Reds our they were our organization of the year this year. And more than I know, we saw some tweets that said, "How do you give organization of the year to a team that has not won a playoff series this decade?" Fair comment. You know, that's truly fair. The reason we did is because of things like this. If you are asking for, in my opinion, what is the model right now for a small market organization success, Rays are definitely a successful model. No doubt. No doubt. Not the only model, but very a, a very, very su- successful model. Very successful model. Oakland. Oakland <laughs> they is did a last model, year. but but they're, you know, to me right now, if you said what is a team out there on a with a, a lower revenue team if you want to call it that way, that is built for long-term success, having already had some success. Two playoff appearances in the last three years, second-best record in baseball in 2012. The Reds are that team because they won 97 games last year, 
on paper, they're a better team going into 2013 than they were in 2012. That's pretty good. This is a big part of that. They Their biggest hold, they had one giant need coming out of the winter meetings, which is they didn't have a leadoff hitter. It was obvious, I think, even in the regular season last year, they didn't have they didn't a leadoff have a, hitter. They, they're, they're the worst. They had the worst leadoff hitters in baseball last year, if you look at their numbers that they produced. But more than that, this is not a case of they had a leadoff hitter and he was bat- they were batting him sixth or they were right. batting him second or whatever. There just wasn't one in the there, lineup. There was not one. There was not a good option. Your options were Brandon Phillips, who doesn't walk enough to really be a leadoff hitter. Your options were Zach Cozart, who doesn't hit enough or walk enough to be a leadoff hitter. Or Drew Stubbs, who <laughs> doesn't do any of those times 10. I mean, you know, you, you can't. It's hard to be a leadoff hitter if you're hitting 213 with a sub 300 on base. He's a great 1960s leadoff hitter, which I think we all thought that, that that's why he did fill that role for Dusty He's Baker. Marino, some. But, but I mean, now, Ben, I guess the crazy thing from the Red standpoint is they're actually playing a. I mean, since you choose not a traditional leadoff hitter and that he doesn't steal bases, I, I guess I. Maybe I'm, I'm sh- you know, shoehorning. Uh, I'm putting this reputation on Dusty Baker that maybe he hasn't deserved. But I guess the big question, obviously, both of you guys want to weigh in here, but, but Ben, you see a lot of Indians games, and you see a lot of Major League games, but Shin Shu Chu is a right fielder, and Brian Ludwig's a left fielder, and Jay Bruce is a right fielder. So what's your take on, on Chu? I, I mean, first, give us your take on Chu as a leadoff guy, because I don't think he even filled that role very often in, in Cleveland. But second, on Chu and or Jay Bruce, which one do you think is better suited to center field uh, in the Great American Ballpark, which admittedly is not a cavernous outfield. Uh, which of those guys fits better in Cincinnati's center field spot for you? Yeah, Chu is a, a right fielder. Like you said, he's not a very good right fielder either, right. which is why, you know, if, if he was a guy who, uh, you know, maybe somebody like uh, like Franklin Gutierrez or somebody who's, you know, played right field but could play center field, uh, somebody like that who could, who could move over, you could understand it a little bit more. But Chu... You know, he he used to be a solid right fielder. The the more you watch him in recent years, his jumps off the bat were not great. Uh, it just it's, it seems like his defense is is going in the wrong direction. But uh, you know, I, I do understand what the Reds are trying to do because you, you can't play. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure that Drew Stubbs is going to hit enough to be an everyday guy. I, I don't if if he does what he does last year, I don't see how you can afford to put him out there every day I, I i don't think he's going in the right direction at all uh whereas with chu yeah you're gonna get you know average you know 15 to 20 home runs he's got great on base skills he's gonna get on base for you at a high clip so yeah you know maybe it's not a traditional play he's you know probably gonna be if if not the worst then probably one of the worst defensive center fielders right. in baseball next year if, if they put him there you know, maybe you know in a vacuum, you, you might say, well, Bruce was uh, is a better defender than Chu in the outfield, so maybe you put him in center field. But I, I, th- I think they probably wouldn't want to mess with mess with that and 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 screw up Bruce somehow. Um, you know, I think Bruce could probably handle it in a pinch better than Chu. But you know, the real thing is that you know they're excited about Billy Hamilton, who's probably going to step in and, and be their center fielder in 2014. So. It's, it seems like they're probably just going to put Chu in there in center field, uh, see if he can you know fake it out there for a little bit, and, <laughs> and then bring up Hamilton in 2014. I think the other thing to look at is is that kind of even mapping this out come closer to the playoff time at the end of the year, what this does mean is let's say that Billy Hamilton comes out and has a very solid start to the season in AAA, 
where by late, you know, by August, you're thinking, yeah, this guy could, could be, could <laughs> be worth, you know, checking out, you know, like, Hey, maybe he's, he's big, ready for the big leagues. If that's the case, well, then you're talking about some extreme versatility because you could essentially, Chris Heisey is going to play a lot right now. We know that Chris Heisey is a solid backup center fielder can play all three positions. It looks like he's going to be a, a seventh Shinshu inning comes, caddy. Some seventh inning comes around. I'm imagining that Ryan Ludwig or Shinshu Chu is headed to the bench I forget, if, a, if they have a lead. I forget who the player was in the 1920s who backed up and early 30s who backed up Babe Ruth, but his nickname his nickname was Babe Ruth's legs. Yeah, because he was the he was the defensive replacement. If Hamilton is ready before the playoffs, you know, we're assuming the Reds make it, but this helps them kind of on that on that path if that happens you have heisey who's a right-hander in a right-handed hitter you have bruce who's a right-handed hitter no he's lefty lefty sorry left bruce is lefty you've got two that you lefty lefty you've got and he struggles and Chu struggles against lefties too so what i'm saying is is that you could potentially also create some platoons here billy you know hamilton switch hitter right you could create some platoons here you could there's a lot of versatility it gives you you know at that point and and that's to me you know, is I, I like I like the way the Reds lineup really looks right now with Chu. <clears throat> we have Chu, Phillips. You're going left, right. Votto. The one question is, who's their four hole hitter? Are you getting 2012 Ryan Ludwig, or are you getting some of the other years of or Ryan Ludwig? Or is this Ludwig? year that you say, you know what, Jay Bruce, who was in the at the top near the top of the league in home right. runs, you know what, it's time that you're our cleanup that's, hitter. That's possible. I think you probably go Ludwig, then you go Bruce, then you go whichever third baseman you're going to play. The, the the rotting corpse. Well, Roland hasn't even said he's coming back next year. Right. So I would I assume it's Todd Frazier. But that top, that top six is balanced. There's some speed, left, right. Arguably, I would say definitely the best pure hitter in the National League in, in Joey Votto. That top six is very stout. So then you're talking about Hannigan and and, uh, and Cozart. And uh, Hannigan slash Mezzarocco behind the plate and, and Cozart at shortstop. That is a stout top eight. If he's healthy, I guess Jason Donald, another part of this, is a utility infielder there. And theoretically, he should be better than Miguel Cairo, Wilson Valdez, et cetera. But, I mean, like – that is a that's a that's a National League championship lineup, don't you think, guys? I mean, potentially a National League the, championship lineup. The, the, to me, the most impressive part about this, and I, I tweeted this last night, and this is where I say that this is now a model franchise for what they've done. That lineup you just spelled out: catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, left field, right field, five starting pitchers, six relievers, locked up through 2014. You want to go to 2015? Take Homer Bailey away from that, and I think one reliever like Alfredo, Alfredo Simone. That this team and is so they're with the exception of Chu, who they have an obvious replacement for in 2014. This is this is your Reds for the next couple of years. If you buy some Reds jerseys, you can feel pretty comfortable that this isn't going to be like that Diamondbacks Bauer jersey you just invested a hundred right. bucks in. This they they should have some staying power, and the thing about it is is this is not a team of. This is not a team of 35-year-olds who go, oh, those contracts are really going to come back to hurt them at that point. This is a relatively young team that has that core. They've got it all locked up for at least the next two years, really for the vast majority of the next three years. Yeah. And then uh, the farm system now, you get past number four, and you have a canyon. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's you get to put number— You could drive a canyon arrow through the hole right. in their you, farm system. You get to number 10— and you're talking past 10, you're really talking about a whole lot of role players and relievers and things like that. You know what? I, I had a couple of Reds fans last night who seemed like they were upset about, no, it's, it's better than that. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. You don't need, what you have now is 
They have Tony Singrani, Robert Stevenson, and Daniel Corsino to be the, if you need another starter, they got one. If you need a reliever, you got one. If you need to trade a chip, you got one. And you, you have Billy Hamilton. Hamilton to fill in your one hole you have. They tender Shinshu Chu, you know, a contract at the end of the year, which you know that he's, barring a terrible season, he's going to turn down. You're going to get a pick for him. And they're set for the next three years. Yeah, this is a guy who's uh, been, uh, the last part of this is just to me is that Shinshu Chu, pretty valuable piece. Obviously, there's, he's a Scott Boris Corporation client, and he only has one year left on the contract. But this guy was pretty good for the Indians for the last three years, uh, last five years, I should say, except for with one exception. Um, but but this still feels like a trade where the Indians came out ahead because for one year of Chu, they get Trevor Bauer. And I can't help but think, I know Trevor Bauer is not a Tim Lincecum clone, but in my head, I always think of what might have been with the Indians with 2005, 41st round pick, Tim Lincecum, sophomore year, eligible out of Washington. They offer him, I think their final offer was $800,000. Lincecum held to a million. They didn't sign him. The rest is history. That sliding door closed. Their window of opportunity slammed shut on them after 2007, and they've been in kind of in rebuild mode really ever since. And for an organization where their their big league pitching staff is was all the sinker ballers like Masterson and Ubaldo Jimenez, and guys like Corey Kluber and Zach McAllister who couldn't you know didn't quite figure things out. And then over the last six seven years, it feels like it's been which thumbing lefty are we trying today? Jeremy Sowers, David Huff, Aaron Laffey, whoever. Suddenly, here comes Bauer, and here's a guy who certainly has some flaws, which I know we'll discuss, but a guy that really actually has number one starter potential. Yeah, it's it's incredible. You're right. I mean, Chu's probably been one of the most underrated players in the game for the last several years. He he was he had a down year in 2011, but other than that, I mean, this guy's been been an outstanding player. He just doesn't get a lot of attention, be it because he plays in in Cleveland or it's because he's not a prototypical power hitting right fielder, more of a guy who just gets on base a lot. But, because he's from the Far but, East. I mean, the fact that his English isn't his first language could be a, a hindrance to his uh, popularity or being known. It's not exactly like he's a media darling. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think a lot of times foreign players, you know, younger players yep. or, or even some of the older guys who don't communicate well with the media, uh, you know, I, th- I think that hurts them in terms of their national perspective too. I, I think you're right. But, but yeah, I mean, look, he's, you know, one year left on his contract. If the Indians do what most people think they're going to do, uh, they're probably not going to be a very good team, and they probably would have had to trade him at midseason anyway. So is it's, it might not even be a year of Chew that you're losing. You're, you're talking about maybe even you know three or four months of Chew. <laughs> so yeah, to trade him and to get Trevor Bauer, you know, we were talking before. Maybe if they'd gotten somebody like Pat Corbin, who I, I like, all right, that that would have been a, a good trade, but. To get somebody like Trevor Bauer, I mean, it's it's not a guarantee that he's going to be a, a number one starter, obviously, but he has that kind of stuff. He has that kind of track record. So to be able to to turn the last year of Shinsu Chu, of, of control of Shinsu Chu into Trevor Bauer, that to me blows my mind. I realize that Trevor Bauer needs to improve his control and, and improve his command and throw more strikes, but this guy misses bats. Uh, like few other guys in the minor leagues. He's ready for the major leagues right now. He he might be the Indians' number one starter right now right. because they have almost no quality starting pitching at the major league level or coming up to help them at, at the minor league level. Uh, this trade, to me, was just incredible for the Indians. I, I have to agree. Uh, 
and the surprising thing to me is to see a general manager like uh, Kevin Towers devalue one of his own assets so appreciably as he did with Trevor Bauer. We, we, we've, we've seen him in the last year basically on this quest to drive down the value of Justin Upton. And it looks like the Diamondbacks are probably going to hold on to Justin Upton. We can't drive it down enough to make this trade. Everyone else still realized, no, nah, I know you're, I know you're bagging on him, but he's still pretty good. But, but Bauer, boy, that star seemed to fall so quickly, especially for a guy who desperately wanted to be a Diamondback and really pointed to that organization as a model for him. First off, it seems like Jerry Depoto's departure changed some things there. Second of all, this is a guy who, boy, after he came to the big leagues. Um, he wasn't that great for Reno afterwards, but it's Reno. It's his first year in pro ball. It kind of seems, guys, like you have to, I mean, maybe, Ben, you can start here. It seems like you have to nitpick to not like Trevor Bauer. And even if Trevor Bauer is imprecise, even if his command continues to waver, there's not a guy, even if you're getting bad Trevor Bauer, even if you're saying he's like a third or fourth starter, he still has better stuff than anybody in Cleveland, does he not? I don't even. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think it's close. Yeah, I mean, look, he's his his first full season out of college. You know, most guys at that age, at, at twenty one, are you know they might be in in double A or triple A. They kind of I actually thought they rushed him up to the big leagues. Uh, you know, I don't think his command was was ready to to go to Arizona quite when they put him up there. But obviously, the the stuff is is all there. It's it's a plus fastball. It's Probably a plus-plus curveball, yep. uh, depending on which scout you talk to. And the rest of the arsenal is, is average or, or above average. Uh, yeah, I think they just – it seems like they – he seemed to butt heads with, with the organization at times. And I think that, you know, I think that they made a, a mistake by, by giving him away and, and giving up on him too early. You know, Gregorius is, is a solid player, but, you know, I think almost everybody in the game would take Bauer ahead of Gregorius. That, that's the part of this that – that was baffling to me is that I know that you, I've seen a lot of teams out there. I've seen fans of a lot of teams on Twitter kind of asking why couldn't our team trade for Trevor Bauer? Yeah, exactly. And there is, I mean, the, the reality of it is, is that you have to have the pieces to make it fit. And the diamondbacks quite clearly have to, had decided we're getting a shortstop back. And once that happens, yeah, there aren't many trades that can happen because there aren't a lot of shortstop prospects or even young shortstops in the big leagues who you would trade who can make this happen. And didn't the Diamondbacks just trade for Cliff Pennington, yes. who I know is not a great player, but I think Cliff Pennington's a pretty good defender at shortstop. And if you're looking for the John McDonald, kind, of, he's your next John McDonald, which, which of course we hope that Texas A&M doesn't get rid of their baseball program like John McDonald's alma mater Providence did long ago. Yeah, that's, but, I mean, that's, that's the, the, way, that's that's the comment the, that you're not getting anywhere else. Yeah. No. But I mean, <laughs> but it had to be made. But I mean, like, if you like your defense for shortstops, Cliff Pennington's that guy. Now I think Didi Gregorius is better than Cliff Pennington. I, I like Didi Gregorius, but but this just seemed like, it, like you said, Ben. I I think Ben's comment, JJ, is the, the the big thing is that I would assume that out of thirty organizations, there are probably twenty seven or twenty eight that would prefer Bauer to Gregorius. The best way to put it is this: I, we you know, when we do our rankings, that's not. Uh, hard and fast rule or anything, but one of the things that we look at is, is okay, if you offered this guy, as we've said, if you offer guy who's 10th on this list yep. for the guy who's 20th on this list, and the guy who, the team that has the 10th guy will offer for the 20th guy, 
then our list is wrong. We need we 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 want it to be somewhat. Yes, if you can say that. Hey, we need a need at this. So guy in this group will trade for a guy in this group. But when it comes to this, there is no. I when we've run our list by people in the game and all, I haven't ever come across someone who says. You know what? You've got Trevor Bauer too high. I think Didi Gregorius is better than Trevor Bauer. That's never happened. <laughs> That's Ever. never happened. That's and, a great way to put and it. Now, now the the Diamondbacks are the team that clearly thinks that. They think they've came out. It's kind of crazy, you know. KT came out yesterday. Kevin Towers came out, I believe, through a Derek Jeter comp on Didi Gregorius. Which yeah, what he said was it reminded him of Derek Jeter, uh, young Derek Jeter, defensively. Defensively. Okay. Which of course <laughs> has never been Derek Jeter's strong suit but ever but that being said yes there could this trade work out in the long run for the diamondbacks it's possible let let's if we find out that trevor bauer is so hard-headed that he'll never make adjustments to succeed the big league level is it possible that that'll happen i guess it's possible yeah is it possible that Didi gregorius there are some scouts think that he's a second division guy he's a bottom of the order hitter who's never going to hit enough to really he'll be good defensively never hit enough to really be an impact guy he's just going to be a, a solid useful everyday shortstop if you can live a right. bad you know not so good offense other guys think there's some athleticism there there's some thumps he's getting there. stronger people think there's some there's power, some power. There. not there's, huge power not like he's going to hit 15 home runs but this guy honestly his profile to me jj sounds like a left-handed hitting zach kozart no, I think Zach Kozer will get better from last year, but you know, I I feel like if he has a rookie year in 2013, if you're projecting him out, what kind of years is he going to have? Look at what Zach Kozar did in for the Reds, and I think that Didi Gregorius will do the, uh, something the, like that. It might be a little bit harder for him because he's left-handed. Late in games, he's going to see left-handed pitchers like the, most lefties do. The one thing about that is I'd say I think that Gregorius has a chance to hit for higher average than Kozart. I don't think he's ever going to hit for the power. Kozart. I agree. A little Kozart, bit higher average, lower power version. Right. That's, that's it, fair. I think Kozart has some more power than the average shortstop. But let's say that that happens. Power falls in his face. In hindsight, you can say then the Diamondbacks did a good trade. The reality of it is, though, you could still argue even then that maybe not because as we stand here right now, I think the consensus in baseball is that Trevor Bauer had more value than that. Yeah, they sold him low in terms of his value. Uh, that And the other vexing thing, Ben, we talked about this off air, but um, the other players that they got in this trade, uh, Lars Anderson, I'm, for, I'm blanking on the other player, Tony Sipp. Tony Sipp's a useful uh, left-hander. Also, as you researched, one of the better players the Indians have drafted in the last 10 years. One of the more successful big league careers. And what was he, a 41st, 42nd round pick? But Yeah, 45th, I think. 45th, there you go. Um, but man, the inclusion of Lars Anderson in this trade, if you're Lars Anderson, first of all, you went from having a chance to compete with Rule 5 pick Chris McGinnis for the first base job in, in Cleveland. I'm not sure how much of a audience he would have gotten there but i don't think it's a small thing that was in lars anderson's favor you know terry francona was manager in boston when lars anderson was on his way up the boston chain terry francona saw lars anderson when he was a big deal when lars anderson was going good i i think if, if lars anderson was ever going to get a real chance to be an everyday first baseman it was going to be in cleveland in 2013 with terry francona as his, as his manager now he goes to Arizona as like an afterthought part of this deal, and he's blocked by Paul Goldschmidt, the stolen base in his first baseman in the big league with his 18 steals last year, and a rising star. I mean, that the whole thing's vexing from Arizona's standpoint, Ben. 
Yeah, I think he should probably get comfortable in the uh, it, Pacific Coast League. Right. I mean, it's, hey, get comfortable in Tucson. It's been Good a long Reno, time. You can, you know, if you have a oh, yeah, four Reno. year, you'll hit three forty. <laughs> That's right. He could, but but the, but the Gregorius part of this. Uh, what was your take on Gregorius as a prospect and the and the Arizona motivation for this deal? I mean, you know, I, I think that I think if you if you talk to people around the game, Kevin Tower seems to have. Uh, he seems to be really be drawn to that glove first, really good defensive shortstop, and, and that's what Gregorius is. You know, he's not he's not Jose Iglesias or, or Echeverria or Freddie Galvis with a bat. I think there's a little bit more upside than people are probably giving him credit for right now in, in terms of his offensive upside. But but yeah, I mean it's it's mostly a, a it's a defensive first profile. He's not going to hit for a lot of power. He's he makes a lot of contact. You hope that the the plate discipline improves and he can be a guy who can hit for a high average and, and get on base, but you're projecting quite a bit there. You know, he's not a total slap and run guy. He's he's got some size on him. He's you know, he's six foot one. Uh, you know, he, he hit six home runs last year in, in triple A and I think it was like forty eight games, but uh, you know, he's not a total zero offensively like some of these other guys like like Iglesias frankly but right um but but it's it's a defensive first profile he's probably not gonna hit the top of the order like we said you know he's a solid prospect for what he is but to give up Trevor Bauer I realize that they have a lot of good young pitching there guys like Skaggs and Corbin and everybody else they have in their major league rotation but with with positional jams especially if we're talking about pitching um, you know, maybe with the Rays being the one exception, uh, you know, that seems to always work itself out. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's stuff is going to go backwards. Uh, there's going to be an opening. And, and I think there's, there's absolutely would have been an opening somewhere in there for Trevor Bauer, considering that he might be a, a frontline starting pitcher and, and might be that kind of guy immediately. So Gregorius, solid player for, for who he is. You know, I like him. I think he could be an everyday guy in, in the big leagues, but to give up Bauer, I just I just don't get it. Yeah, it's vexing. Another thing to me is is that I don't think that this necessarily you, this trade doesn't even make the the big league club for the Diamondbacks better. It just your hope if you're the Diamondbacks is that get this gets you back to where you were starting last year, because at the start of last year you had Stephen Drew. I know he got hurt, you know, in, in 2012, but. I don't think it's fair to expect Didi Gregorius to do more than that in 2013 than what you would have expected, what Stephen Drew in a normal year could produce. Yeah, I think what it, I think from their standpoint, obviously Kevin Towers, I think, thinks it makes them better for 2013. I think he thinks he improved himself. I, I, in his mind and to his scouting eye, uh, that Didi Gregorius is an upgrade over what they had, whether they're whether he's right. better than Stephen Drew or not. They didn't have yeah, Stephen didn't Drew have anymore. anymore. Right. So he's better than what they had, and he's cost-controlled going forward. I think he thinks he got himself a player who's going to be – when they're looking at their team, they're thinking, okay, up the middle now they have Adam Eaton in center field. In their minds, and I think they're probably right about this, they've upgraded Upgrade. offensively and yeah, I, probably I would... maybe a little bit less defense than Chris Young, but they've upgraded offensively, and I agree. I like Adam Eaton. Didi Gregory, but they're going to be young is my point. They're going to have a rookie center fielder. A rookie shortstop, what Aaron Hills at second base, and I'm coming off a monster year, but Aaron Hills had good years and bad years in the past. I always loved Aaron Hill, loved him in college at LSU, loved him with Team USA, great makeup guy. I'm happy for Aaron. I hope he has success. He's one of my favorite players in the big leagues. 
stealth cheese ball, Aaron Hill. And then Miguel Montero behind the plate. There's some real offensive upside there, guys, with a good year out of Hill. If you get good Aaron Hill, Miguel Montero is a very underrated player, big offensive uh, factor behind the plate. And Adam Eaton, I think, is a premium leadoff type guy. In fact, Adam Eaton really fits what the Reds really yeah, wanted. They, he fits better than Shinshu Chu. He's not as good a player, but he fits better from a defensive standpoint and a leadoff guy than Shinshu that Chu. Would have been, that, that would have been interesting. Gregorius for Eaton. If they hadn't already made the trade, I think if you'd done that, if you'd have done that, you'd have to be, I think, do think that that would have had to have been Eaton and something for Gregorius. I don't think, I do think that Gregorius is a better prospect because. You're talking about. But it's harder to find a shortstop than it is a center fielder. That's what I'm saying. I think that no, I'm saying that the Diamondbacks would have to throw uh, something on a top of Eaton to make that trade happen. Not that the Diamondbacks don't have chips maybe. that they could that they could do. You know, you could. That's a good hypothetical. If you're throwing the hypothetical out there, it's like okay, well, you know, clearly you don't like Chris Owings. You're if you're trading for as a shortstop, if you're trading for D.D. Gregorius. That's another how about good point. Owings and Eaton for Gregorius. That's another good point. Chris Owings, uh, not like he's not like we were worried about him being blocked, but that is a guy who is a. You could have made the case. That Pennington was the placeholder for Chris Owings down the line, and, and now you, no, now that's not happening. So it's a Baseball America podcast with John and JJ and Ben. And uh, Ben, I guess uh, I'm wondering, uh, going back to the Indians for a minute, what's the there with Bauer? Do you think there's a trade that helps them? I mean, obviously, I think we all agree it helps them. Do you feel like this? Is there anything that in this trade could Bauer be good enough to make them contend in the AL Central in 2013? Because the AL Central is. I feel very winnable for any of those teams, even with the improvements the Tigers have made and even with the improvements uh, we think that the uh, Royals have made this offseason. 88 wins you know, last year for Detroit. That, that feels like a winnable, winnable division. Or are there still, would there still be more things that have to happen for, uh, you know, for Cleveland to, to contend? I guess the one po- other positive out of this for Cleveland is they, they held on to Azrabal Cabrera. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of things would have to go their way and, and break right for them to be able to contend next year. But, you know, that was the same case with the Orioles. It was the same case with the A's last year. So, I don't – they're in the right division for it. That's that's certainly true. And like you said, they kept they kept Cabrera, which to me is – you know, that – he, to me, is a more valuable trade ship than Shinsu Chu. Yep, I agree. So, Chu is a guy they – I think they probably would have had to trade at, at midseason anyway. So, Bauer is a guy who could step in. I wouldn't be surprised if he could step in immediately and give you an ERA somewhere in the the mid threes or so, uh, and give you you know 150, 200 innings, depending on if they start them in in their opening day uh, or or in their on their big league team right out of the gate or not. But I mean that could almost make up for or it could make up for the loss of Chu in itself, and you still have Cabrera. You do have a good nucleus there. I like uh, up the middle of hitters with guys like Santana, Kipnis. Uh, you know, Cabrera is, is still there for now. You know, these guys are all young, you know, is still in their mid-20s, coming into their primes. You have Michael Brantley. Um, I don't really like Drew Stubbs all that much, <laughs> yeah. but um, he's there too. All I know is so, that I would love to be a pitcher. If I were a pit- major league pitcher, I would look forward to facing the Indians and say, please, please let Mark Reynolds and Drew Stubbs be in the lineup tonight. I'm going to pad that strikeouts per nine. I mean, if you miss, <laughs> hey, if you miss, both those guys can lose it. You know, Mark Reynolds got hot sometimes for the Orioles. He was a factor for them this year. But those two guys are strikeout-tastic. I mean, those are two of how many play- players in Major League history have struck out more than 200 times? they are two of them. They're like four or five guys in history who've done it, and two of them are in the same Cleveland Indians lineup right now. 
Yeah, ooh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Drew, Drew Stubbs has got to do something because you, you can't put up the numbers he did the last year and expect that, to play every day. But but he might, he might. That, <laughs> um, but then they, and they also have Chisholm too, who you know I think people might forget about. But he's another young guy who has a a chance to really come out this year. You know, they have some. I really do think they have some solid pieces in their lineup who are yeah. young guys in their prime guys they can build around in the lineup but the pitching was just especially the starting pitching was just such a disaster last year uh that's where i, th- I mean that, that's the biggest need that they had and they got you know maybe the best pitching prospects uh in the game or or, or certainly one of the best pitching prospects in the game and, and a guy who's going to help them next year i i will say this i i will disagree with you a little bit i think bauer is a very good pitching prospect i can think of four or five guys i'd rather have than him because of I do think but that he's we, in the he was in the discussion. I don't think there's a doubt. I, mean, I would take Dylan Bundy Dylan and Bundy, Jose Fernandez easily over him. But who's next? He was in the discussion for three. The, I think that's yeah, a pretty fair the, thing to say. He's in the discussion for three. I do think we need to touch on a little bit of this is going to be interesting also from the standpoint of seeing we're we talked about it with Mike Montgomery on the last last podcast. Now it's on Mike Montgomery. If he succeeds, the Royals screwed him up. If he fails, well, you know what? It wasn't the Royals. It was you. mean you. Trevor Bauer's former heart-high teammate? Exactly, heart-high teammate. Well, now with Trevor Bauer. If Trevor Bauer goes out and pitches— I, I, I will also say he's nowhere near Mike Montgomery's no, no. failure no, no, rate. No, no, no. So, but not, I, not, I see what you're saying, right. but no, I just no, want to yeah, no. throw that out. I'm not saying out. he's not. I'm not right. saying he is because, no, he's not had— he hasn't had a stretch of two starts as bad as Mike Montgomery's <laughs> had for the last two yeah. years. But what I'm saying, though, is, is that the Diamondbacks right now essentially tarred him as they traded him away. They publicly came out and said, this guy won't listen to instructions. Yeah. They ca- their Man, general partner dumb. said... Say that, say that again, Ben? That was dumb. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I, don't see the, I don't see the value of that. You're right. But they did. Well, now what we're going to find out uh, is, is now what we're going to see is, okay, you know what? Trevor Bauer goes to the Indians and pitches well. The Diamondbacks look really, as you said, they look dumb here. They will. And uh, if he doesn't, if he falls on his face, if somehow that happens, you know what? Then at that point, then the spotlight turns to Trevor Bauer because yep. he is a very strong-willed pitcher. That's a good. That's generally a good quality in pitchers. He is very focused on studying the game, studying the craft of pitching. He has his throwing program. He has all these things that he very strongly believes in absolutely he has conviction to use the if that doesn't term. work it's all on him because it's his this is not a guy who you say well it's not working because they really screwed him up and changed him the guy threw 146 147 innings last year in the regular season then threw in the pacific coast league playoffs and then of course the triple a national championship game where we all saw him uh, either on tv or locally uh, here in durham and that's where Matt Eddy, I, I think famously, I'll say famously for our podcast listeners, but where Matt Eddy threw the comp on him, not necessarily a body comp or whatever, but uh, Ben, I think we've talked about it. He threw the Dice K comp on him, Dice K Matsuzaka. And I have to say, that analogy really resonated with me as a guy who has his own, who's not a team player as far as his throwing program. He doesn't, he's not a, he, he's a, he's not a conformist. He does not, Dice K had his own plan. Trevor Bauer had his own plan. Dice K was stubborn, didn't want to change. Trevor Bauer. Dice K had 
a big time fastball, but pitched backwards, liked to, did not challenge hitters, excessive nibbling, poor tempo. All those critiques could be thrown on Trevor Bauer as well. When 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 Matt Eddie made that comparison, it really threw me because I thought it fit. I thought it fit very well. And I won't say I fully jumped off the Trevor Bauer bandwagon, but I'm no longer driving it. That's for and sure. You were... And when he was a freshman and sophomore, especially when he was a sophomore at UCLA, I was driving that thing. I was right up front, like <laughs> Kramer driving that. Uh, you know, I guess Kramer was in the back when he was driving yeah. the, the 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 fire engine, so it doesn't really work. But I was I was up front. I was at the front of that Trevor Bauer bandwagon. Do you do you like that Dice K comparison? And if and if you don't, why not? Well, there, there's a couple things. You know, one, when Daisuke came over, first of all, he, when he came over, he, the first season he came over, he struck out over 200 guys. The next season, he had a, I think it was an ERA under three. Great point. Um, so yeah, when he came ERA. over, he, yeah, he was, he was a very effective pitcher. Now he's unbearable to watch. <laughs> but when he first came over, he, he was a very good pitcher. Wild, sure, but he was an effective pitcher. The other thing is that, when he came, when he came to the Red Sox, he was also 26 years old, and and had done it for like seven years in the Japanese majors. Was a rock star in Japan, and there was a there were good reasons for him to believe that that what he did worked. I, I agree. With yeah, you. Trevor Bauer is is 21 years old. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of differences there. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of his, you know, what gets perceived maybe as as stubbornness is just maybe maybe the I think it gets presented in a very one-sided way. Why don't we ever say, oh, maybe the team is the one that's being stubborn? I'm not saying that's the case here necessarily, but in all these cases, whenever a guy uh, gets traded or there's some perceived issue with attitude or something like that, it's it's always put on the player's inability to adjust or adapt or, or whatever they want to say you know, publicly or privately. The player might uh, be it's right. Never, it's never put... On the team, and that's I think a lot of that is because the people in the media are getting their information not from the player, but they're getting it from the team and the team officials. So I think the information gets presented in a very you know one-sided way. I mean, remember when the the Mets traded Scott Casimir? I think they they knocked his makeup after they traded him. Uh, you know, there's plenty. Of, Matt Latos is a guy who yep. you know has had his makeup very heavily criticized, but so what? I mean, <laughs> the guy has frontline stuff. He's had outstanding success in Double A, Triple A. He's 21 years old. He does have to improve his command a little bit, but I mean, geez, so did Tim Lincecum when he first came up. I, I, I don't see it being a, an issue, I, and I don't really see. You know, I, I understand where the, the they're coming from with you know the dice case stuff, but to me, it doesn't really fit. I, I think Bauer is going to have a, a much much better career than. Uh, than Dice K ever had. That was a great answer. <laughs> you got me back on the bandwagon, but that was a great answer because you're right. Dice K was good his first two years. The guy won 33 games, helped win a World Series. Uh, ERA was above the league average both those years. Pitch, he dealt with the Crucible of Boston, which Bauer will not be dealing with in Cleveland. I don't think anyone's ever used the word Crucible in Cleveland as far as a sports franchise before. I, I think he hit the nail on the head. If you want to look at the half-empty Part of Trevor Bauer, even the half-empty part, is better than what they've got in Cleveland. So there's just no. Oh, this is a no-lose trade for the Indians. Just no lose for them. No and like lose. you, and I think the biggest point that you brought up at the very first seg- segment, Ben, was getting 
Trevor Bauer for a year of Shinshu Chu. Just imagine if slash when they were out of it and they're looking to deal Chu in June and July, JJ. They wouldn't have sniffed a pitcher like Trevor Bauer. I mean, the they would have sniffed they, it. They, they, the only reason they would have sniffed a pitcher like Trevor Bauer is if he would have basically imploded completely and been sitting at the trade deadline with an ERA somewhere around 20. I mean, that's yeah. the only way you're going to get a guy like that. A guy with that kind of arm. And if they had never called up Trevor Bauer, because what, what really is the blemish on his track record other than those, uh, it seems like those four starts that he had in the big leagues, you know, all 16 innings of them. Yeah, he didn't pitch well there, but if you take that out of his track record and then in, in the in the playoffs too, I guess once he got back down to AAA, but if he spent the entire year in the minor leagues, I, I think people would view him in a, a much different light. But for whatever reason, I think those four starts when he got to Arizona seemed to be coloring uh, the opinions of him when this is just an outstanding pitching prospect who just had a bit of a rough go at the end of it. And it's worth noting, you're talking about a guy who made, I mean, as you said, we're talking about basically five big league starts, and one of those was really good. Right. And I I do think that AAA start, it wasn't just that he couldn't, he had a 10-1 lead, 9-1 lead, there was a big lead, and he wouldn't throw strikes, his body language was bad. He walked bottom of the lineup, hit, bottom of the order hitters twice in the Pawtucket lineup, and couldn't make it to the fifth inning. And then when he got taken out with four after four and two thirds innings, he really threw a tantrum basically to Brett but to Brett Butler, the ex big leaguer who was his manager. But even still, he's 21. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm saying if I were the Diamondbacks, I would back off. 21 years old. They know they know him better, but I think everybody knows Trevor Bauer. He's, you know, frankly, he's pretty public about this stuff. He doesn't hide. Um, there's some growing up to do there, but why would you have reason to expect that he would not mature and grow through that? I'd, I'd rather see the guy mad at being taken out of four and two-thirds innings and learn five years down the line when he's leading Cleveland to a pennant going, man, you know, but what a punk I was. I really – that was on me. I'm the one who took myself out of that game because I threw too many pitches and I didn't throw strikes and didn't attack those hitters. But I just think it's more likely that he learns to do that than he goes through his life nibbling and walking six and seven hole hitters when he has the stuff that he has. The, the best way to put that to me is is that his stuff is the stuff of very few pitchers in baseball. And the knowledge that he has of and, pitching. And hopefully the fact that to this age, he has learned and soaked up a lot about pitching. I, I think it's amazing that you would expect that he won't adjust because he didn't adjust in one professional season. That's and, that's and the part that's really uh, kind of amazing to that, me. That, that, that is. I think Ben put it a good way, which is you're not talking about a pitcher who's failed and you're trying to rebuild him. Yeah. You're talking about a pitcher yeah, yeah. who has They su- treated him that way. They've treated him that way, but he succeeded. You've got to remember, when we talk about this, he was pitching in Reno. Yeah. Reno's a disaster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's there's no other way to put it. Reno's a disaster. As far as for a pitcher. For a pitcher. You know, I mean, Reno is, if you are a pitcher and you put up a four ERA, you, yeah, you had a great year. That's right. And Trevor Bauer had a great year in Reno. Again, what happened is, is you're talking about an organization. I don't think there's any other way to put it. They got focused on the, the, the importance of, as an organization, being in, in, in the control, in power. You know, I think that's probably a fair criticism. I think that is. I, I don't think there's any other way to explain this trade. Because, I mean, uh, it, it, you know, unless the whole – even if 
Patrick Corbin and Charles Brewer, his fellow former UCLA pitcher, and Tyler Skaggs, all other guys in that Reno staff, didn't like him. Even if he didn't fit in that clubhouse, I mean, he's got time to grow up. He's, he turns 22 in January. I, I would just – I think we're, I think we're invested, all a little stunned. And you invested millions of dollars in him. Yeah, you did. Not and and the value of the number three pick in the draft. Yeah, you did. Not long ago. Not where you say, you know what? It's a sunk cost. We're seven years in on this. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's the guy who's made the first guy from his class to make the big leagues. It's like punting guy, on second down. A guy who had, who has again. There aren't many pitchers in the minors who have stuff like his. And you say, you know what? We're ready to get get. We're ready to move on. Eighteen months after you drafted him. So the final verdict is win for Cleveland, pretty good for Cincinnati. Uh, you know, KT, good luck. Uh, Diamondbacks, I think Diamondbacks fans have reason to be uh, to to be uh, pretty worried. Uh, ben, a, a strong first take on your podcast from Boston. I uh, hope that all the other ones are this easy to do. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good one. It was a good one, and uh, we'll have an obviously great job on the trade write up. Been a pretty active week on the Baseball America podcast. Uh, a lot of a lot of news. I guess if news keeps on breaking, we'll keep on podcasting. Uh, for Ben Badler and JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Great stuff, Ben.